Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Fake Nerds Watch for Star Trek Picard. This is Star Trek Picard Season 3. We're going to be talking about Episode 9, Box. I am Brandon T. McClure uh, for the Fake Nerd Podcast. With me on this track, as always, is Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. How are you, sir? Doing fantastic. It is a great time to be a Star Trek fan. Yeah, um, it is. It is. There's actually news that we should probably talk about before we get into it. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do that first? So before we get into episode episode nine, Vox news dropped just today, a couple hours before we started recording, that that section thirty one project that has been in development hell for four years is now not being real. It's now <laughs> happening. What do you think about this? Oh man, I mean, okay, so I'm a big component of if you like something, put it out there, and yeah. I think that not all star trek is for everyone that's 100 but the ones that you do like like in order for them to continue making more star trek they have to have star trek out there they can't just have one show they have to have this plethora of shows that in case somebody doesn't like this one they can go and gravitate to something else and they can watch that but star trek is constantly going on and i think that was a big thing for gene ronaberry that was his vision of creating this utopia of a world where everybody is just loved and there is this this passion for space and this shows what it is. Like I, I may not love section. I don't even want to say that. I just, I don't like them at all, but <laughs> as a Star Trek fan, as a growing Star Trek fan who likes to learn about these things, I am going to watch it as long as I can. I am going to do my best to watch it and see what it's about and give it the fair shot of, okay, is it for me? Is it not for me? Maybe it is. Maybe it's like, Hey, maybe I start to like them. Kind of like a, a captain that is no longer with us. So I think that a section. So first off, first off, I right away you have my interest because you're not doing a TV show anymore. Yes, uh, I never thought a Section Thirty One TV show was a good idea. Correct. Um, it's too long. Yeah, it, you get ten episodes minimum of just what? Just Section yeah. Thirty One doing Section Thirty One things. I don't. I never saw the vision there. And that's not to say anything can't be good. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. they could have. About like an espionage show or whatever, but like, I'm I wasn't crazy about it. But making it a movie is a lot more palatable to me. To yeah. where I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I could spend two hours with Section Thirty One, mm-hmm. um, especially with an actress who I do like in Michelle Yeoh, um, correct? Who is returning as her role of Emperor Philippa Giorgio? Yes, which that that is one of the cool things that I am happy because I did really like her character in uh discovery i really liked her a lot in that um i i'm very similar to you with it being not a tv show but because i am like michael cars from the downright nerdy podcast like your shirt says oh yeah I'm a big he's fan. on my shirt <laughs> i'm a big fan of 24 and yeah. i think that section that this if it was to be a a series making it span over 24 hours in this espionage world where they're trying to solve this crime and they literally have 24 hours to do it. And that's it. Yeah. That would be cool. That'd be kind of interesting. I could see, but again, like I I think that, I think the, the more time we spend with section 31, the less interesting they become. Yeah. Um, And I, and I know you've, you felt it already Um, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) because like in D space nine, they're probably in like 
four episodes, maybe yeah. like actually. And we hear about them quite a bit throughout the season, throughout the season that they're in. They, they're in Enterprise uh, briefly. Um, they're in they're in, featured in tons of books. They've been retconned to be because some of the books have retconned certain Star Trek events to be related to Section 31, okay. which are, it's kind of interesting. But and then they were featured incredibly heavily as the main antagonist of season two of Star Trek Discovery. Yes. Which for me, what I believe for most fans was the straw that broke the camel's back. Because mm-hmm. um, of that. Oh, and they were in Star Trek in the Darkness. Yeah, there's well, a lot of section 31. <laughs> since there is a lot, and there's a lot that they, a lot of source material they can use. Do you think that making a movie takes away from the mystery of this organization? I don't think so. Um, because the mystery has already been taken away. Okay. You know, it's Discovery really like went into Section Thirty One and kind of like made them their own. Their own. They had their own starships. They had their own. Uh, their own kind yeah. of section of the of the military. And it's like, all right. Uh, I thought you were just a bunch of guys in a in a cubicle. <laughs> yeah, messing things up. Um, but making it a movie, I think you have the ability. This is wild speculation of what I would like to see. Okay. Um, it's about Emperor Giorgio after she comes back from Discovery season three. Because remember, she was in the the future with the Discovery and then came back, came yeah. back to a point in the past. We don't know what point in the past. Correct. Yeah. Um, that's been left ambiguous up until now. And it could be about her dismantling Section 31. And that's the story. That would be that would be lovely if that was the case. So what we could we could theoretically experience that maybe she showed up in the mid twenty fifth century, not the uh, early, not the mid twenty third century, um, which which, and so she can be about like, oh, you know what, I'm changed from my experiences with Michael, and I don't want, and I and it's time that Section thirty one should be over. Yeah, you know. So there's some there's something to that. I don't. We don't know a whole lot more about it other than it's happening and that it's a movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic than if they announced if they had announced a show. I agree. Um there's there's a little small there's some small nuggets though that I think is interesting. One of them was that Alex Kurtzman said that section 31 is going to be the start of phase two of Star Trek. Okay. Go ahead, Mr. Kevin Feige. Let's see what you got. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, he we I've talked about it before, but he like desperately wanted to be a Kevin Feige yes. uh person, but with Star Trek. And unfortunately with Star Trek, you don't really get a lot of wiggle room as you do with Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's so many different characters in Marvel, and really Star Trek is just kind of the one thing. Yeah. Um, even Star Wars has more flexibility than I think Star Trek has. Um, but what I think um what I think was interesting about that was like, yeah, we're, you know, we're now we're going to enter into phase two and we're going to do these more movies. We're going to do more, more made for streaming movies, um, which I was like, okay, yeah, actually I'm on board with this kind of more bite-sized Star mm-hmm. Trek making like events. Maybe, maybe hooky. I finally get my temporal cold war movie. <laughs> that would be good. That would be really good. God. Can you imagine? Imagine if they did that. Like imagine if they legit, built events around the releases of these star trek movies kind of like how how star wars has really perfected that with like star wars day with may the 4th like all these different Mm -hmm. concepts that they have 
and they literally do they used to do it like back before the the sequel movies came out they really used to go really heavy into like the the action figures and like we're going to release all these things and here's everything that we're doing and it's like it's an event that makes you so energized and so focused on star wars i want that for star trek like imagine if they did that with the cold war oh they have an issue that will say that star trek does have star trek day yeah um, but it's not as September. Like it's not as publicized, I think, as Star Wars does. I think yeah, Star Wars really think, knows how to push. I think Paramount makes a mistake when they try to push push Star Trek like Star Wars. Really, uh, I do because you know you look at the Kelvin films specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, each one of those films did worse and worse. And yeah. admittedly, that second film was atrocious. Um, but the third film is really good, and it premiered on the 50th anniversary of star trek so theoretically it should have done really well but i don't think the star trek fandom is in the is in the same numbers as the star wars fandom gotcha. so i i don't think it's smart to kind of build around events i do think doing like one-off movies streaming made for streaming movies is a good idea okay. but kind of but turning them into like event television or event films i think you're gonna run into the same problem that the kelvin films did gotcha and I don't, and I don't want to see Star Trek go down that path because we, I mean, Star Trek has been dead before, and I yeah. just don't want to see it die again. Very true. But yeah, I mean, at this point, you know, this will be the second, maybe third spinoff of Star Trek Discovery. Wow, isn't that weird? That is, because um, we is have very Str- weird. Well, because Strange New Worlds is a spinoff yeah, of Star Trek Worlds. Discovery. Correct. The the Starfleet Academy series, we're not sure, but it sounds like it's set in the 32nd century, and which would make it a Star Trek Discovery spinoff. Mm-hmm. And now this movie. Very true. They did it. Star Trek Discovery <laughs> did it. <laughs> they... <laughs> oh, man. It's funny. Um, but why don't we get into the meat of the episode now? Sounds good. Sounds good, my friend. All right, so we're going to be talking about Vox, the ninth episode of season three of Star Trek Picard, directed by Terry Metalis. Yes. Um, written by Sean Tretta and Kylie Rosetter. All right. What'd you think about this? Oh man, mixed mixed emotions, to be honest with you. I'm the same way. Okay. It was it was like there was there was some great, great highs, and there were some terrible lows that I just like. Why, guys? Why? Anything but this. So let's get into the... Let's start with the beginning of the episode. Okay. Um, I, you know, where do you start? You start at the beginning. Yes. Um, so we, so Deanna and Jack are... You know, they're in their mind. And Jack is talking about what all these vines that we've been seeing mean. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that explanation of like, you know, I appreciate these vines because underneath they're all the same. And it's all one tree system, all one root system. That kind of perfection idea. I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But then Deanna opens the door. Yes, and that was that was the first <sighs> bad thing for me that I did not like. The Borg. Okay, so one of the things that I once they said it, I was like, why did we not see this from the jump? Because they were they they hinted at it so many times throughout the entire show, and exactly what what Jack said about this tree, it's like, okay, the tree has one, like these roots have one purpose. It's to go and get nourishment for the entire tree. And the entire tree is one body. 
Hence what yeah. the Borg is. Then you have Starfleet now putting all these systems in place so that every single ship can now interconnect and talk to each other simultaneously. Yeah. The Borg. Then we have um, Seven of Nine talking about her experience and how her captain doesn't even go and call her by her by Seven of Nine. He calls and, her by uh, her name. Shaw's speech about Wolf 359. Exactly. So there's like there's all these different hints that have just been like peppered throughout the entire series. And it's like, am I that dumb? No. And you know what? There's another hint that that we both missed. And I thought it was I thought it was just kind of fun music. The end credit scene is the intro to First Contact. Is it really? Yeah. So the theme, that, the, the, the theme that plays at the end of every episode is the music from the beginning of First Contact. That is so okay. So all of this to say fantastic writing. Like you guys really did good writing to make this peppered throughout the entire show. Love it. But but the Borg, come on. Yeah. Like I understand, yes, there's a connection between next generation and the Borg, but seriously, guys, like there there's <sighs> And I, I, I want to be very clear about this. If the Borg had not been featured in the first two seasons of this show, I don't think I would have cared as much. Same, same. I agree, because it would have been refreshing yeah. to have the next generation come back and their main villain come back. Yeah, and I'd be uh, oh, oh my goodness, it's the Borg. We haven't seen the Borg in forever. And like, admittedly, we haven't seen the Collective in a while yeah. and uh, since uh since janeway wiped them out at the end of at the end of star trek voyager and that's fine that's fair i'm i'm with you on that one but and and i'm sure that was the thinking of introducing the borg into the season oh we haven't actually seen the collective and that's the different okay but sure but we had the borg and the xbs in the first season uh with the artifact cool fine hugh was there he dies okay um, and then we have, uh, uh, in the second season, this new Borg queen and then the Gerardi Borg. And I'm like, okay, yeah, Borg again. And now we're doing Borg again. And I'm like, yes, okay. There are other villains. So many villains they could have picked from. The changelings were actually a very interesting villain to put up it against and the I, next generation I, I, cast. Oh man. But, it and is... so th- and that's the other thing that bugs me is like the changelings were really interesting. I liked Vatic. I thought Vatic was really cool. And I, I asked you, I asked you episodes ago, do you think that introducing a bigger bad than Vatic takes away her teeth? And guess what happened? Yes. You you stand corrected. But it's I think that if it was a different villain, a different yeah. bigger villain, I'd be cool with it. But like you said, we've had the Borg so much it's so saturated that there there's no fun yeah I mean I'm sure I I think the next episode is going to be really cool really action-packed there's gonna be a lot of really fun stuff in it but right now the way I'm feeling about this is like really we're going back to the Borg exactly it, it just it rubs me it rubs me the wrong way heavily like I I don't know. It's just like, why? There's there's so many different things they could have done. They could have enhanced the story. They could have even said, you know what? Screw it. We're going to keep it the way it is. We're going to keep it as we're going to get changelings. Or like you said, bring in Dukat. Bring yeah. him in. And Dukat would have make, been incredible. <laughs> it would have been fantastic. Bring him in and say, hey, 
let's just have him as a big bad. He comes back into the show, and that would be oh, that would be perfect. I would have loved that. Terry Metalis has talked about this reveal and talked about how it was never going to be the Paul Wraiths because it had to be a next generation villain. Sure, fine, I I get it. Like you mm-hmm. want a next generation villain for the big next generation team up, but then don't use the changelings. Yeah, because the changelings weren't that it was Deep Space Nine. Yeah, the changeling was you introduce a Deep Space Nine villain, so we're thinking to ourselves, okay, well, what other Deep Space Nine villains could there be that the next generation crew can go up against? And Picard has a personal um uh, a personal stake in yeah. the Cardassians yes. uh, because of his relationship with the Bajorans. Cisco, the, the first episode emissary of, of Deep Space Nine has Picard and Cisco talk about the relationship, how important the Bajorans are. Yes. And, and so you have this idea that, so you, that that's there, that's still there in the DNA of Picard of the Cardassians. And, uh, and you can just kind of make that Ducat and, there is also something to be said about like, okay, well, it's the next generation crew dealing with the Dominion War uh, because they never did. We never saw it on we screen. Saw it, yeah. But we know they were there. Um, so there's all these there's all these opportunities to bring in other villains. Hell, Klingons, maybe the yeah. Klingons, whatever. The Romulans, the first season, the first season heavily implies that the Romulans are probably still pissed off that their planet was destroyed. Right. Maybe they maybe they come back and they want to they want some revenge. Exactly. Like there there's so much that they could have done. But in the same essence, the fact that they sprinkled it throughout the entire season. Sorry, it, the entire series, not even season because it's season one, season two, season three. We've gotten it all. Yeah. So it's like, all right, it is what it is now. How are you guys going to really make this thing happen? Like, how are you guys going to make this bad? And. It still didn't work for me. Like with Jack, that was the next letdown for me. But we'll get to that as we progress on. But Deanna opening that door, I was upset. I was. I wouldn't even say I was upset. I was just kind of like, oh, okay. I was just disappointed. Though it could have been where she goes to reach for the door, and then the door opens up, and then out walks the Borg. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Borg, let's. I want to talk a little bit more. I want to keep. I want to kind of keep it on the Borg, uh, okay. but I don't want to talk about what happens at Frontier Day quite yet. Okay. Um, I just want to say, uh, we're saying all these bad things about the Borg, about the Borg being in this season, and I will. And I will say that, like, seeing, hearing Alice Krieg, the original yeah. Queen. Yes. That's pretty cool. Yes. yes Welcome back, is. Alice Krieg. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it was. It was really, really exciting to kind of hear her voice and the the ominous presence, the the universal ominous presence of her like being everywhere is, was creepy. I will give yeah. it that. I and I like Alice Creek a lot as the as the Borg Queen. And here's the thing: like, there's even potential there. Like, it, it is actually a kind of a cool idea. To ha- I know I'm kind of giving backhanded compliments. And the thing is, like, I don't like you know, show structure is what it is. Um, I I don't I don't. Anyway, the 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 queen having been devastated by the events of the end of star trek voyager and seeing the ramifications of that many years later is interesting to me i actually do like the idea of revisiting the queen and the Borg collective because yeah you know you haven't seen prodigy but we do we do see them in prodigy not the collective but we see a lone borg cube that's still suffering the effects of what janeway did so Janeway did a number on the collective when she left the Delta Quadrant in in the end of Star Trek Voyager. 
and seeing the ramifications of that are interesting to me. And but they would be more interesting to me if we hadn't already been dealing with the Borg in any capacity in the first two seasons of this very show. Yeah. And I think and I, I kind of under I kind of respect a little bit that Terry Metalis was like, no, this was the idea I've had since I was a kid. I'm doing this. I'm this is how it, it is. I'm running with it. But also maybe you should have corrected because we're kind of sick of the Borg at this point. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I definitely agree. Uh but there, there's some interesting there's some interesting things. So uh Jack is confronted by Picard. And this is actually a problem I have. Okay. Beverly should have been there too. Yes. It's like, that's your mom. Yeah. It should have. Picard has this thing. It's like, no, no, no. I have to go. I have to talk to this kid. I have to talk to this kid alone. It's like, why? You actually, at this point, at this point, the two of you need to talk, talk to him. It's like, you got it. We have to come. (sighs) When you come at it like together as a team front versus as an individual front, it almost seems like, Mom's not on board, but dad's doing this. Yeah. And I, I think that I think I think the idea that something something, you know what? Change sentence. I'm gonna say like real quickly that having no scenes with Picard, Beverly, and Jack is getting to be a mistake. Because mm-hmm. we haven't actually had a full scene with the three of them um outside of a planning in a in a meeting room in episode four, I think. Okay. Um, and but like having this kind of family moment actually, I think would have been stronger than just Picard there because Picard is compromised when it comes to the Borg, and they play that off because they want that they want Jack to run away uh, in the story, so they have Picard be the only person there. But as a, but I think at this point we probably needed the the two parents to talk to Jack about this. Like, Hey, yeah, you're Borg. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Um, and even, and, and there's, there's good things here. Like Jack is talking about um, how he, you know, he, how he always thought that um, people should, people should be more connected. If we could all just hear in one voice, the Borg kind of DNA in him is, has manipulated him, but he also has this moment. It's like, but I feel the Borg don't feel. Where's that come from? Yeah. And I like that. I think that's a really good good moment. But again, it, I just think that scene should have been between Picard, Beverly, and Jack. Not just Picard yes. and Jack. I agree. How do you feel about Deanna doing what she did, just running away? Like, I, I did not like that. I didn't mind it. I was a little frustrated because I was I like, was, oh my god, we're going to wait a little bit longer for the stupid that, that reveal. Thing, yeah. And it was like when that happened, of course, commercial hits. And it's like, oh, son of a gun. But I I didn't like the fact that she ran away. And it's like, okay, if you are a counselor, that's your patient. You cannot run away. Like you need to face this on head on. But you need to also be encouraging. Like when you run away in almost like a fear, that shows like, hey, I can't help my patient out with anything because I don't know what to do at this point. You got to show 100% confidence whether you have it or not, because they're expecting you to go and be this counselor, this understanding person to know how they're feeling and know how to cope and deal with it. And she runs off and she's like, let me go tell mommy and daddy, which is, I just saw. It's like, come on. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with that. 
it's you know it's dramatic it's dramatic tension yeah, right yeah it's that's really all it is for and you you know you don't want to i understand like you don't really want to give it that credit like you don't want to be like oh they if this only happened because of dramatic irony or dramatic um not irony um effect uh but sometimes that's you have you know, to yeah sometimes you have to yeah um i mean what was she gonna do jack your borg no i think like she could have just stayed there and just like he's like what did you see and she's like i think this is something that we should discuss like as a family sure i mean but then, honestly like i know we've been dealing with the borg for the past few few seasons of the show but she hasn't diana no, yeah, hasn't yeah. so true. this has been like 30 years that she's been that she hasn't seen the borg uh so i can imagine probably gave her quite a shock yeah um yeah Anyway, um, I do. I do. There are things I like in this episode. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know we're kind of we're kind of going a little hard on it. Um, it's. It, I was honestly like the first time I watched it. Like I, re- I actually really liked this episode the first time I watched it, um, and I was a little surprised to see that the online reaction was so um, divisive. Because um, you know I'm perpetually online, so I see a bunch of Star Trek people being like, oh, "I didn't like this episode. I did," mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh my goodness, what?" But I've seen it three times now, and I'm kind of like, oh, oh no! <laughs> you should have stopped at one. I know, right? Um, okay, so the let's go to so Jack leaves, mm-hmm. and the Titan has a shuttle problem. Yes. Does the Titan not have tractor beams? I guess I the- think it's for dramatic effect, right? There are three times in this episode. There's two, but so far this is the second time a shuttle has just left just the Titan. Yeah, it's like, oh no, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna get him back? And we're it's gone. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, you're you're right. It's dramatic effect. It's you know he's got to leave. Else the story doesn't work. Not to mention um, um, teleporting. I mean, oh, you don't want to know. You want to know something. You want to know probably what is the biggest uh, uh, canon breaking thing that ever happened in Star Trek for me. Go ahead. In Star Trek Nemesis, when uh, Worf beams the shuttle in space onto the Enterprise E. And I was like, wait, since when can you transport an entire shuttle? Yeah. And that's okay. (laughs) And I mean, that happened, that happened years ago too. So, like, there's. It never, ha- it never happened before. It never happened after. And every time I watch that episode, uh, that, that movie, not that episode, that every time I watch that movie, I'm like, that's really weird that he just beamed the, beamed the whole shuttle onto the ship. Well, I mean, as, as a Star Wars fan, like that's happened too, where you have um, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn running super fast and it's never, oh, yeah. ever happened again. It's like, why the can't we get run. fourth speed? Come on, guys. So, the force run, yeah. Yeah. So I, I definitely understand 100% what you're saying. It's like, you guys just, that was just poor writing. Yeah, I mean, the Sergeant Nemesis has a lot of problems, but anyway. Um, okay, so, yeah, I, I think, let's talk, so, I don't like, I'm kind of just going through my notes right now, but I don't like sidelining the change the changelings. Um, not Vatic, what's her name? The Queen, sorry. Okay. Uh, the Queen talks to Jack about how, you know, the vindication of both of our species talking t- about the changelings and the Borg being decimated by the, by the Federation. Mm-hmm. One, you both had it coming Two, uh, 
I don't get changelings anymore. The changelings are not in this episode at all. Correct. And we know that there are changelings on starships and in the Federation, and but we don't see them anymore. And I kind of, I kind of wish that. Actually, do we want to talk about that now? No, I'll I'll wait. I'll wait for that. Okay. So I think that the, and so she has this moment. It's, it's the writers trying to bring it back to the changelings. How this was, you know, the changelings are still important, but I don't get the sense that they are at this mm-hmm. point. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the show chucked them out of an airlock in the in the eighth episode, and yeah. they're not in these two episodes. And I just think that like maybe the show probably should have been two episodes shorter. Um, because we did talk about a little bit how it was kind of feeling a little uh like they were spinning their wheels with the Jack reveal. Mm-hmm. Um or I think a lot of the stuff that were that we saw in those last four episodes should have been in these last couple of episodes should have been peppered into the beginning. Yes. And I'll 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 use that to say that like I think data should have been in the show way earlier. I agree. I, I think that there there's a lot of things that could have been done differently, and I think shortening up the series would have been a negative for me. Yeah. I think keeping it the length it is, but like you said, peppering these things throughout the beginning and trickling into here. Cause now you're, you're pretty much trying to conclude this, this series this 10 episode series in these two episodes. And it's like, you guys could have taken so much of that stuff and you could have brought it through. Like, we still don't know um, who Vatican was talking that face. We still don't oh, know. It's the who queen. That face. It's the yeah. Queen. But, it, it, I mean, we, yeah, we can speculate that it's a queen that we're not fully understanding that that's who it was, but we have a male voice and now it's a female voice. We have this, this concept that's missing of, okay, how did the Borg convince now the changelings to do this? Yeah, uh, that's true. I, you know, you can always kind of, my, my partner brought up a really good question. Can the Borg assimilate changelings? I, I think theoretically, no, because the whole reason why they're trying to get Jack Jack's DNA and why they're trying to get Picard's body is so that they can do this without having the nanos in them. Right. So so the Borg can't assimilate changelings. It does actually kind of make sense that now these two weakened species from the Federation would team up in this way. Mm-hmm. But there is a sense that like you're 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 right. I I do think I do think it is absolutely certain that the queen was the face that Vatic was talking to, but you're right. The, the face exhibited a power over the changelings that we've never seen from the queen. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I wonder if that's something or if it was just supposed to be a misdirect and I'm kind of leaning into misdirect. It seems that way. Yeah. Cause yeah. Unfortunately I, I do like, I, I wonder what they have over the changelings that, scares them so much yeah so we're talking about since we're talking about so many issues i'm actually going to bring up an issue that i've had in the show for a couple of weeks now and i haven't brought it up all right let's hear it i haven't brought it up because i've been enjoying the show and i didn't want to i kind of didn't want to do too too many negatives uh but there is a problem that i've been having with the show since kind of the beginning Mm -hmm. and as much as i I value the first four episodes of the show so much. We get some great Captain Riker, some great ship on ship action. Um, it was the, some really awesome stuff in the in the first four episodes of the show. The first five episodes, sure. 
And we get a lot of great character moments between Picard and Riker and Beverly and Picard. But as soon as the other Next Generation characters came in, we've lost a lot of those character moments. Yeah. And not only that, but I think it's a real shame that we're not going to get anything between Seven and Raffi. Yeah. And that's that 100% because that relationship that they had and now that they don't have, it's it's missing so much. Yeah. Like we're not we're not getting a conclusion to what's going to happen with them. And I, I think you have the ability to have scenes in this next episode that will probably be that will be about them and they may rekindle their relationship in the last episode. But. I don't think it was very fair to leave it to the last episode when you actually honestly did have room in the, in the last couple of episodes to do something about it. Rafi just disappears in one episode with Worf mm-hmm. um, for, to go find, to go find Riker and okay, sure. Yeah, whatever. But like you could have had a moment with Rafi and seven, something to give them character moments. And this comes now that we're coming to the end of the episode, end of the season, End of the series. This is it. Mm-hmm. This is, and frankly, I don't want more after this. I'm, I'm good. Um, I want new. I want new after this. But yeah. we aren't going to get some character moments that I think are needed for a ten episode se- reunion. You know, there's glimpses between Jordy and Data, but going back to like what I talked about with like Beverly and Picard. Talk, it should have been Beverly and Picard talking to Jack we haven't really had a moment between Beverly and Picard after the, after the first confrontation that they had in sick Bay, mm-hmm. a couple of them, yeah. many episodes ago. And we're just not getting the kind of character interactions that I think made the beginning of the season so strong mm-hmm. with the rest of the TNG cast, but it's specifically Jordy and data and, little bit Worf. Well, the Worf gets a pass because he was mostly with Raffi for the beginning yeah, of the season. For sure. And Deanna and, and Deanna and Riker had that moment in the, in the prison. In the jail in the, cell too, yeah. In the jail cell, so I'm I'm happy with that. But Jordy and Data are kind of getting the shaft when it comes to kind of character moments. And those are the two, right now, because because Data was brought into the season so late, You, sh- I think you should prioritize the two of them. Yes. And I think they, they, they definitely try to do so, um, especially when we kind of get more into Frontier Day. But mm-hmm. now that you say stuff like that, it, it really makes me think like the missed opportunity that they could have had with Miles. Like if Miles was working in this museum. Don't even get me started. <laughs> if he, I have to. I'm sorry. If he was working in this museum, that would have been a perfect moment because we have now this concept of, um, of Jordy saying like, hey, I've been – we're gonna. We're there. I, I've been rebuilding the ship. I've been bringing it back to life, and I've been working on this thing for over twenty years. Like, and if Miles was simply just like in on like on the floor, just sitting there working, and then they just come on to the bridge, and he's just sitting there working, and he's like, "Who turned on the lights?" And that are beautiful. Just a little. Just give me something. Well, we know that Miles became a teacher after Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but I mean. It's just so many. Ugh. You're 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 absolutely right, and like I think here's the thing. I think Miles's absence is actually egregious at this point mm-hmm. because he started on, on Next Generation, right? Yeah, he was he was in that first episode. Um, 
people that he didn't he wasn't named miles at that point but he was in that first episode and yeah. and he kept popping up and every single time he popped up we learned more about him and then he got a and he became a lead on the next show and so to have him kind of like not be in here it does feel like an absence um in the sense of like if tasha hadn't died and she wasn't in the season are you kidding me oh yeah exactly um but like that wouldn't happen because tasha's dead yeah but miles isn't as far as we know yeah. um i guess he could have died we don't know for sure um but i don't want to put that on the universe miles is alive he's happy he's with keiko his oh, daughter's keiko still- probably got mad at him <laughs> his, <laughs> his, like you're dead to me his his daughter's in starfleet it's great it's happy um <laughs> But I, but I, I do think that like we're missing character moments that I think we need in fate, and we've instead kind of had fluff mm-hmm. in between, in between, in place of it, um, and that's a that's a that's a real bummer. And like I'll I'll give you like there are good character moments in the show peppered throughout, and I, um, you know I, I mentioned the stuff with Riker and Deanna, and even the stuff with like LaForge to Lore. Yeah, and, and and when data first comes out and they have that moment together, but because we had so many, so many in the beginning between Riker and Picard and Beverly and Picard, and we kind of like shunted that off to the side. It's just I think at coming into the end we needed more. Um, it just kind of feels a little bit. It, it does feel like a little, it feels like we're missing something mm-hmm. in favor, in favor of just kind of spinning our wheels for the last couple of episodes. And then not just that, but I do think it's, it, it it's not just unfortunate. It's an egregious, it's an egregious, it's an egregious, um, uh, uh, what's the word when you, when you take something out, when you're missing something, not removal? absence, uh, removal. Yeah. Um, no, when you overlook something. Okay. When you um, overlook something. What's that word? We we know we'll get to it. We'll yeah, get we'll get it. we'll figure it out. It's a it's a, you you've over you've kind of oversight. It's an egregious over- oversight. Okay, uh, I, I I did it. Um, it's an egregious oversight that Seven and Rafi's relationship is just non-existent in this season. Yeah, and I get that maybe people don't like that relationship. I you know it's a, it's it's um. It didn't get a lot of play in the fir- in the in the second season either. They're mm-hmm. mostly just bickering at each other. But I I like them. I like them. I like Michelle Hurd as Raffi, and I like Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine. And the fact that we haven't gotten anything in regards to the relationship is is honestly terrible. Um, yeah. It's kind of queer erasure, erasure in my opinion. And I I I just don't think that there was a there was. I don't think he needed to do it. I think you mm-hmm. could have had it in the season as just background information. They could have just been in a relationship and not had a lot of scenes together. But as long as we knew that they were in relationship, that's still something, but because yeah. they broke them up and then every, re- and then they only interact twice before this, what, before this have, episode. Yeah, exactly. Before this, I think it's only twice. And then we have the, the one with Shaw and that's it. Yeah. And I, I just, that's unfortunate, and I, I I wish that wasn't the case because I, mm-hmm. I I think that this relationship should have been in, in this season. Um, God, we're jumping around a lot. Um, let's go to Frontier Day. So they're like, okay. okay, we need to go to Frontier Day, and Frontier Day, the whole fleet, every supposedly every starship is there. Although 
you never see a California class starship. <laughs> so see, this is this is why. Okay, yeah. So you never see a California class starship. I'm just throwing that out there. If the you final episode true. is a is a fleet of California class starships saving the day, did you see the Orville ship in the corner? The, I'm you mean the, the Defiant. I was just joking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's actually a lot of there's a lot of ships in this in this in this um, episode, which is yeah. wonderful because I love ships. I love ships so much. Um, the uh, there's a lot of ships from Star Trek on, uh, online making their debut in this episode. Um, one of them is actually really funny, and I want to point. I only point it out because I found it very funny, and I want to share that funniness with you. There is a Star Trek Online had something called a Ross class starship, okay, um, and R O S S, and it's um, it's kind of the 25th century answer to the Galaxy class starship, okay. Um, it kind of serves the same purpose, and it has a very similar shape. Um, we see a few of them in this fleet formation, but one of them is missing its nacelles. Really? Yeah, the VFX artist just forgot them. <laughs> Just flying around helplessly. Yeah, I thought that was funny. That is cool. Um, but we 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 see a Sagan class starship, which is what the Stargazer was in the in the second season. Um, but we get we see in all her glory, the Enterprise F. Yes, we got her. We got her. We got her, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. We got her. Uh, what'd you think about the Enterprise F? You mean D? No, the Enterprise F. I thought Jordy said that he... No, 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 I'm not talking about the end of the episode. I'm talking about Frontier Day, the Enterprise F. Okay, okay, yes, 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 yes. Yes, okay. I enjoyed that. Because it's like... It's only great for people who are fans. Yeah. And it's like... It's just a nice little nod at like... We see you guys, don't worry. Like, we know we brought the Borg back, but we also brought the F back. So the Enterprise F is... um is the starship from Star Trek Online. Um, I don't know how much you know about Star Trek Online. I know a little bit. I do, I do know a little bit. Like years ago, there was a competition to see what ship was going to become the Enterprise of that of that game. And it was going to be the Enterprise F. Um, and we and it, this class one, it was, I think it's an Odyssey-class starship. Um, and that, so when they brought were bringing in a lot of... Um, Star Trek Online ships for the show, a lot of people speculated that if we saw the Enterprise F, it would be the Odyssey class. And sure enough, it is. And that's that's really cool. Um, but not only do we meet the Enterprise F uh, for the first and last time, because she's being decommissioned, <laughs> um, but we we learn who's in command of her currently, which is five-star Admiral Shelby. Yes. What do you think of that? I think it's really cool that they brought her back. Yeah. And I hate that they killed her. It, it, yeah, yeah. It, it's and, almost like why? Yeah, and not in the way that I don't that I don't like Rose Rose death because I think Rose death serves a narrative purpose, and I mm-hmm. I quite like that ending for that character. It, as bleak as it is, I I I do think it fits. Um, Shelby's death is absent-minded, almost. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a, but her death scene clearly was a vfx change yeah because she just kind of sits down as she gets shot and she's still like she she doesn't have a reaction to getting shot it's just boom that yeah and i'm just like is she dead it looked very weird to me almost as if like was she a changeling 
Yeah, I was thinking to myself, oh my god, that, going back to my point earlier, thank you for bringing that up, I think she should have been a changeling. It would have been great. It would have been great if that happened where she doesn't die. It just like, she just warps and she's like, well, you thought I was this person, but I'm not. Yeah, so it could be, it could be like, you know, she's having the speech, she's talking about the plot of Star Trek Enterprise, which is awesome. I really love that, by the way, that they're just, that they're celebrating Star Trek Enterprise. That's all Frontier Day is. Yes. Um, it's awesome because I'm a, I'm a big apologist for that show. And when, and so, and, and then like when, when Picard gets there and, and the Titan is there and uh, Picard's like, Starfleet, anybody who will listen, uh, changelings have made us vulnerable. The Borg are back. We have to do something, blah, blah, blah. And Shelby is the one to respond. Shelby, I, I, I do like that Shelby actually listens to Picard. She's like, hey, what's, What's going on? You yeah. wouldn't you wouldn't be this frantic if this wasn't true. But I kind of wish the moment was surprise, sucker. Yeah, exactly. You thought yeah, you thought wrong. Yeah, I I just I don't know. I it, that would have been better because that would have actually made the changelings part of this episode. Yeah. How many how many star like what's the ranking for Picard as far as an admiral? Like how many stars does he have? You know? I don't know. I don't think we ever see how we do see him with we do see him in in uniform like in a proper uniform in season two i don't remember what if he maybe he's like a one-star admiral okay I, he so retired not, I, pretty he retired pretty early. pretty early yeah okay i couldn't remember like i just was curious to see if because granted yes he's an admiral his his voice does carry a lot of weight especially with all the shenanigans that he's done in his past mm-hmm. But yeah, it would have been it would have been very it's a it's a poignant opportunity to reintroduce the changelings after them being absent for however many episodes and now really well just this whole episode yeah and then re showcasing them and saying like hey the 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 big bad that you thought was a big bad they're still here they just part of the big bad and that creates the idea that like okay yes the Borg and the changelings are working together because now a changeling is in charge of the of the flagship of the federation and has implement and and it's it's her that has implemented it is this changeling now that has implemented this plan uh of the Borg and yeah and so that that be, that that to me is is something mm-hmm. you know I, I i talk about this a lot on the on on the Fickner podcast where like what we got here was kind of nothing and at least doing the the changeling reveal would be something, and I I would feel a little bit better about about that because a that means that you didn't just kill a, another female character on the show, yeah, um, because that's getting a little gross now. It just yeah, repeated over and over again. One time I forgive, twice I'm like, oh, you're only killing the women. Yeah, that's a little weird, <laughs> for sure. Um, oh, second time, third time because they killed Tavin. Stop killing women. <laughs> um, I actually don't think Tavine identifies as a woman. I don't know if we know that for sure. But anyway. Non-binary. But Shelby, but Shelby is also a um, you know, Shelby has a kind of a terrible rap when it comes to Star Trek because early, early days, I was watching the Ready Room episode of this, and she was talking about how the reaction to her character has changed over the years, where the first time it's like, oh, you were such a bitch, oh, I didn't like you, blah, 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 and now it's like, oh, you're so strong-headed, oh, you're so, um, you're so persistent, and I, uh, you know, people really like that about that character, and, you know, she was kind of, I don't think she was right, I, I think, you know, 
her episodes, Best of Both, Both Worlds, she's kind of a villainous force to Riker mm-hmm. specifically. And it's kind of cool that she, you know, it's cool to have that cameo because she's a cool character and seeing her be this, you know, she outranks both Riker and Picard who she didn't prior yeah. the first time we saw. And that just kind of shows how slowly how Riker and Picard, it. well, how slowly Riker and Picard went, went to the ranks and how far she came. And so that's really cool. But it doesn't dimin- that none of that is diminished if she's a changeling. Yeah. And in fact, it keeps her alive Correct. because, because changelings uh, we know from the episode when we met Tuvok, uh, Chuvok, as people have called them, um, that they keep their host alive. Yeah. So at any rate opportunities. Yeah. I just, I just feel like the, the changeling absence in this episode is just weird. Honestly, I, I did like her as being the, the figure of authority. Cause it mm-hmm. showed a little bit more of like this inclusiveness of being of women empowerment and showing sure. like women leaders. So I like that. But the fact that they killed her off was like, you and- guys, did something good and then he just said i'm gonna redcon everything and then the way they kill her was horrible it's just so weird it's just staged weird it's just plotted weird it's she doesn't even fly back being shot she just kind of sits in her chair and gets shot yeah and i'm just like that's weird that's just weird i don't know why you did it that way um so so um the 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 Frontier Day is showcasing this idea that now the fleet, when we saw this in season two, um, when uh, Gerardi Borg was trying to take over the fleet, mm-hmm. that now this fleet is interconnected and can um, and, and can now talk to each other. And so here's the other, here's another issue I have with this. I don't mean to shit on this episode. I do like this episode. There are things I like about this, but this is now the third time this plot line has happened. Fourth? time this plot line has happened second in this show Mm -hmm. i'm kind of done with interconnected ships being taken over yeah yeah it's all of this i think it this was our fear this was honestly our fear from day one was you guys are doing great keep up the good work let's keep it strong keep it strong and then boom they just i still think this is by far the strongest season of the show Oh yes, I, I uh, taking that away. I I'm still enjoying it. I just yeah. think that they could have done things a lot more different. Granted, am could I write for Star Trek? There's no way in hell I could even come close to what these folks are doing in the uh, the writing room. Yeah, so I, I commend them very much. But help us out, come on! It does feel like the Star Trek writers aren't talking to each other. Because we had this plot in Lower Deck Season 3 with the Texas-class starships. Okay. Um, and then we had it again in Prodigy Season 1 with... Um, there's uh, You haven't watched Prodigy, but there's a um, there's a device in the USS Protostar that link that will link to other ships and then turn on each other, and then all the ships will turn on each other and destroy, destroy themselves. Okay. So, you know, interlinking ships. The USS... Te- the, the Texas-class starships were interlinked... Sh- uh, drone ships and season two the Gerardi Borg tried to take over the interlinked ships to yeah. stop a wormhole a transwarp conduit or whatever and now this and I'm like all right okay done I've seen mm-hmm. it all I've seen this four times now I'm okay 
I don't need it anymore. And there's another thing of like, I didn't realize how much Battlestar Galactica the show is, has influenced, <laughs> by the way. Because the idea that they have to go back to an analog ship, quote unquote analog ship, yes. is very Battlestar. If anyhow they said, oh, frack. Oh, I know, it. right? <laughs> that would have been priceless. because, like the the idea of these interconnected ship these these ships are networked and the and someone can take them over. Yeah, the Cylons did that. That's yeah. why the colonies all, were all destroyed. And and not just and and the other thing is, I don't get it. I don't get why these ships are interconnected or why these ships are all networked because they're I like they, said they wanted to make it so that it has formation, like proper formation, which is stupid. But they don't. But they don't just say that because, like, yeah, we can get into fleet formation and we can uh, protect ships and we blah blah blah. And it's like, okay, but if a ship is damaged, that's still going to be a damaged ship that you're just lugging along. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, I get that. I'm sure there is an explanation that the writers had in their mind in their mind when they were writing this episode. And the only criticism I have about it is that I just, I don't think it was clearly stated in this episode why this interconnected interconnectivity for these ships is beneficial for fe- for the mm-hmm. federation yeah um god we have so much to get through i'm so sorry cookie no you're good <laughs> i i did want to talk really quick about the the borg and yeah. jack's interaction with taking the shuttle going to meet the borg based off of his glimpse memory that he has in his brain he now mm-hmm. found out where the borg is and got to them got onto the ship the borg is the Borg ship's empty besides what it seems like just the queen. Well, there's a couple of drones we see. Okay. And then I did not like the fact that he thought he was going to do something. Well, yeah, he's hotheaded, right? He, he's like, okay, I'm going to go there and I'm going to kill the queen. Yeah. Um, and that was playing right into her, 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 she was playing chess with them. Yeah. I mean, everybody, any, nobody should try to outsmart the queen. They'll always lose. Yeah. Actually, data one. Oh, yeah, I was about to say, there's <laughs> only one time. There's been one time. Yeah. Um, and I, oh, Janeway won. Twice. It happened twice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not quite, I'm sure it, it's just there to kind of get Jack to the queen. Because we're talking about that. So, so we haven't really talked about Jack is a kind of um, transceiver. Mm-hmm, yes. For the Borg. Um, for a specific genetic code that was mistaken as Eremotic syndrome. Correct. This is actually something I like about this about this episode. I like the idea that Eremotic syndrome was misdiagnosed in Picard, mm-hmm. and the reason why he could still hear the Borg in first contact in season one of of, of Picard um, is because there was just this biological code implanted in him from his assimilation. Mm-hmm. I actually really like that. I thought I thought that was a really smart idea. Yeah, I did too. I, I really liked that. I liked how they kind of gave out this information and it it it, it made Picard's character that much more interesting. The fact that he's yeah. like bio bioengineered without this coding of the assimilation still in him, he still has that and he's able to now pass that on to his yeah. son. Through, and so like, his son his son becomes like a seed for the Borg. And, yeah. and that's actually something that I quite like about this episode is that they assimilate is the way that the Borg have assimilated the fleet. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that in that the code that was implanted in Picard's DNA, that was mistaken as your syndrome is now in every 
everyone who steps through the transporter, which explains why nobody wanted to use the transporter. Yeah. Um, which explains the transporter thing we've been hearing for a while. And because of that, and Jordy says that they've been assimilating us this entire time. We haven't known it. I really like that because it kind of, because a full frontal assimilation has never worked on the Federation. Mm -hmm. The Borg have tried it so many times and they've always lost. And now this kind of weakened Borg state that again, this post end game weakened Borg have found a way to do it without anyone ever knowing. And they've already won. Could you That's explain pretty to me? cool. Could you explain to me? Because I I only got a chance to watch it once. But not why three times? It... Cookie, what's wrong with you? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Why <laughs> is it that the the ones that are older than 25? Oh, never mind. She said it. The frontal lobe. We're good. We're good. I mean, I can give you the writer answer, and I could give you the <laughs> incontinuity stupid answer. That way, yeah, give you the correct answer. Because yeah, just the frontal lobe, 25 so, years old. So it's it's to it's so that the older it's so that our main characters don't get assimilated. Gotcha. That's really it. That's all. Honestly, the only reason why it's there, and the other the incontinuity reason is kind of dumb, um, in my opinion. But it's you know it's techno babble. I can I can kind of forgive it. Where it's like, oh yeah, the it doesn't. And they even say like the we have assimilated your strong. So like the Borg wanted the strong people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they don't care about a whole but a bunch of fuddy duddies. So but I think okay. if that's the case, like if if the Borg and the Changelings are working together, Changelings should go after the older folks and the Borg will simply just wait until they have Jack. Once they have Jack, then they now have the entire fleet because you have all the old people who've already been taken care of by the Changelings. And then you have all the young people getting assimilated. Yeah, I think the idea is that there's more young people in the Federation than there are old at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't matter how many of the old people you kill, you're you're still going to have the the superior force. Yeah, it's probably like five to one or something like that. Yeah, and like you also have the fleet just by the very nature of the stupid interconnectivity yeah. um, thing that the Federation was like, this is a good idea, and everyone's like, no, it's not. <laughs> um, the uh, so I do like the idea that this and and I think it's harrowing by the way when everyone's being assimilated and. Um, Jordy is like, I got to get to my girls. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even says, like, computer, where's a lot? Hold on. Sorry. Computer, stop. I have my Alexa's trigger word is computer. Gotcha. <laughs> um, because I'm a Star Trek nut. <laughs> um, but, you know, she, she, you know, he's like, um, you know, locate my girls. Uh, locate Alondra LaForge. And, and, the, and, and, and the thing is like... Uh, the life signs of Alondra LaForge no longer are human compatible or whatever. And yeah. as we see it, harrowing, like honestly, I gotta whole, go the whole, the whole scene of watching everyone be assimilated, the, the vines coming through their face. Yeah. Honestly, really effective in my opinion. Yeah. I really, I too, really the eyes it. going from like black or yeah. black was really cool. Yeah, I really like that idea of this quiet assimilation and then seeing everyone just kind of become these zombies that we know the Borg to be. Yeah. I, I, I truly, truly thought that was effective. Same here, same here. There we go. A nice thing about this episode, finally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, though, I do... The ending of this episode... Okay, so I have not cried. Oh, I don't want to talk the, about that yet. 
Okay, all right. I don't we'll want to talk it. about that yet. Because there's sure. so many things to talk about before we get there. Shaw dies. Cookie. Yes. We willed that into existence. <laughs> he I I I am so I'm so happy with his character and I I stand corrected because at the beginning I did not like his character at all. He grew I remember. Up so much. I remember. I I liked so him and you didn't. <laughs> so much throughout this entire season and his death I thought was so well done and the the speech that he gives to 7 and 9 legit i had a knot in my throat and i was like oh my goodness because it was him finally accepting her for who she was and saying like you're like so much more than a number one you are a captain and you are the captain of the ship and you're gonna be amazing and he called her i'm getting all choked up he called her seven and nine i was like oh this is so amazing the line you have the con seven of nine yes is it, oh, very good and very very good i really like shaw i've I liked shaw from day one i, I love the little that dipshit from chicago um <laughs> so like i'm i'm I, honestly i was sad i got really sad I, yeah it it it. i like his storyline i and again i we've been talking about it for weeks i never thought he was long for this show i'm surprised he lasted this long yes. um and I, but I really like him, and I'm I'm really sad to see him die. And I really like the the thing he says at the end, and um, I I like the fact that that Picard said, you know, I'm not leaving with with unless everyone comes with me, meaning that Shaw, Seven, and Raffi were supposed to go with him. He he always had the idea that it was just going to be all of them leaving, yeah. um, leaving the Titan. Um, uh, so I I do really like that. Um, Shaw dying kind of gives Seven and Raffi this kind of more motivation to take back the Titan. Um, yeah. So, and I do, I do like, I do hope, I do hope for more from from them in the, in the next episode. But before that, even like, I really like Shaw kind of problem solving. Okay, we're in the turbo lift. Okay, we can't. Where are we going to go? The maintenance deck. Nobody's going to be in the maintenance deck, and we can get a shuttle uh, from there. We'll be fine. The effectiveness of watching the excelsior be destroyed mm-hmm. on just the screen yeah that's a, so just good a screen yeah so good i love that oh speaking of ship titles speaking did you catch did you catch that dr pulaski has a ship named after her no i did not what the hell did that woman do to get a ship named after her <laughs> oh man it's funny because i i i showed you guys like i showed it on here on my comic book and she's on yeah. there and it's like you guys could have picked another doctor, you know, but I I am no Pulaski apologist. I do not like Pulaski. I think she is a terrible character. Um, I get that there are people out there who like her. That's cool. I hate her. So when I heard the USS Pulaski getting into getting into position, I'm like, excuse me, excuse <laughs> me. How dare like, you? The Like, I don't know, the USS Bashir. That would have been great. Sure. Yeah. The USS uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Picard's got a ship <laughs> named after him now. Sure. But Pulaski, you need to be famous to get a ship named after you. What did she what did she do that was famous? Oh, man, that's priceless. The Hikaru Sulu. We see the Hikaru Sulu. Uh, yeah. There's a USS Uhura. Pulaski. <laughs> no, I Not reject the ship. I reject the ship name. I'm sure it probably got destroyed, so don't worry. Good. Deserved <laughs> it. Um, all right. Anyway. So the so um uh the, there's there's 
three jokes I love in this episode. And one of them is when Jordy and, and Data get run into the shuttle mm-hmm. and uh, Data yeah. says, what what makes you think that there hasn't been destroyed yet? Data, could you try being a little more positive? I hope we die quickly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Good stuff. So funny. I, th- I, I thought that was incredibly hilarious. Um, uh, I, I didn't say it enough, but I think it's really awesome that Frontier Day is about the NX-01. That's awesome. Love that bit of, car- of ca- uh, continuity. Okay. I don't think I could put this off anymore. So they go to the Fleet Museum. Yes. And we, we, we got a hint that Hangar Bay 12... Uh, had something there we've actually the whole season has been hinting to this moment if you think back on it in the yeah. first episode in the first episode he says to laris oh, poor laris i hope she's okay um, he said uh, he says it wasn't that my first but it was my favorite um there's the reference to viridian three um in episode five and um hangar bay 12 uh so they've been kind of teeing this up but for the last 20 years, Jordy has been restoring the Enterprise D. Yes, and it was magical. Oh my goodness, dude. I was sobbing. I'll be honest. I was sobbing. I, I have not cried this entire season till I saw and it's hilarious that Picard kind of mentions it, but just the atmosphere, the the displays that everything was like it transported me back to my childhood of watching that ship every single day watching that ship and like getting to know it so personally it was it was i couldn't help but just like i just started getting choked up and i'm like all right hold it back hold it back nope it's not <laughs> holding back and then just it no. just started rolling down when everybody was there and it's such a somber moment but then you have Picard saying a joke which i thought was incredibly well delivered and he's like, oh, my God, the carpet joke is incredible. Yes, I loved it. It was so perfect. Being it's here, like... being here with you all. I, I now know what I've missed the most. The carpet. <laughs> <laughs> I love it was it was perfect because like if not, I probably still would be crying like how great that episode was in that moment. Yeah. So I'm happy that there was this like lightheartedness of the crew back again. I It's incredible. It's honestly like. I do actually really like really like bringing back the Enterprise D uh, for one last next generation story. Mm-hmm. Um, I look, I'm not a big fan of the Enterprise D. I'm not. Really? He's, she's not my ship. She's not my ship. Um, I'm a Constitution guy through and through. Okay. Um, so I will always prefer the original Enterprise. I think the the fat one, as we called it in the first episode, very apt description. Um, but I, I look. Next Generation was my Star Trek. Like I, I grew up. Well, like and I didn't really grow up with it. But like I, Next Generation was like really what I got into when it came to Star Trek. And um, so even though the Enterprise D may not be my favorite starship, even my favorite Enterprise, it's it still holds an incredible sentimental value to me when they walk on that bridge and they see everything. And it's so expertly recreated. All the Lacars look exactly as they did there. I was watching the the Ready Room episode again. Mm-hmm. because they have a kind of a little a little talk about how they they brought it back um and the way they shaped everything is exact and the carpet layout is exact and the the way the glow on the on the control panels is because it, it they had to recreate the fluorescent glow from the tv lighting um to, to make it look look accurate 
and I didn't even notice that I didn't even know this, but they had um you know how in, in Star Trek in the next generation, like there's a bunch of they just push whatever button is in front of them. <laughs> um and it's like just fire the torpedo. It's this one this week, it's that one this week, and you know, things like that. Apparently, that's actually by design. Um Gene Roddenberry and Michael Okuda, who is the creator of the Lacars panels, who came back who came back to redesign the Enterprise in the in, cool. in this in the show. He apparently they've apparently had a discussion that in the 24th century the controls would be intuitive. So if you want a button to do a certain thing, it would do that certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why, which I thought was actually really cool, um, and a really uh, just a really cool way to 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 do that. But I just man, when they walked on that bridge and Majel Barrett's voice, yeah. oh oh yes. my god, it's like it. it you don't realize how much you've missed that voice till you don't have it. And then you get it back. Yeah. I I loved it. There, there's something, there's something that I do want to say about it though. Go ahead. Look, I'm sure it cost them a lot of money to recreate that bridge. Uh-huh. I'm sure. I'm sure it did. And I, I don't want to begrudge anyone. It looks incredible. It, they, they did it. They, they Choose freaking carefully. Choose your next words carefully. They freaking did it. Okay, but it's, it's kind of a bummer that that's the only set they rebuilt. I mean, wh- what did you expect? They, they Jordy in engineering, Cookie. I want Jordy in engineering. This, yeah, but we're just getting this moment right now. Of course, we're gonna be, we're definitely gonna get Jordy in engineering, one hundred percent. No, we're not. not. They didn't build the engineering down. set. They didn't build the engineering set. Are you sure? Yes. They said they did not. They only had enough money to build the bridge. Okay, but let's be real. If you had to choose, would you choose to see engineering or would you choose to see the bridge of your childhood ship? I would have allocated some hallways from the Titan and put, <laughs> put some put some money into recreating another set on the on the Enterprise oh. D. Okay, yes. That that I can I can agree with. I I won't take that away from you. And I'm not I'm not begrudging the design team because they I I heard that they only had like two weeks to shoot on to to shoot on that two days. I think it was I think it was just two days to shoot on that set. And that that's awesome. And it's incredible that they recreated that set. And I am and uh, the, it's so accurate that the the bathroom, the door to the bathroom is back there. Um, <laughs> and and but like it would have been cool to be like, OK, well, we're on our way to. We're on our way to the thing. Let's go into the conference room, or or I, we need to we need to go to engineering to fix a thing. Okay, well, I'm, because what we're gonna get is if there's a problem in engineering, we're just gonna get Jordy at the engineering station on the bridge, just clicking yeah. some buttons. And I'm like, I get that. That's gonna be exciting, I'm sure. But it would have been really cool to see him have to go down to engineering and really like, you know, do something, do something down there. Yeah. Um, him and him and Data. But that's just a small gripe, mm-hmm. and it's not going to ruin my enjoyment of anything. Okay, all right, because I th- that moment for me was just so magical, and I was so jealous of anybody who was part of the crew for this show and had the opportunity to be on set the second that all those people came out. I would have been 
they would be like, all right, we need to get this guy out of here. He can't stop crying. We need to get him out. But I get the, I get like, the sobbing guy out of here. <laughs> it would have been such a magical moment to see these actors come back to a set after like 20 plus years, come back to oh, a yeah. set. And it's just like how how amazing that must be. And, you know, the Enterprise D was also a ship that was destroyed before her time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they even say it in generations. Like they only, the only reason why the Enterprise D was destroyed was because they wanted the next movie to have a more cinematic starship with the Enterprise E. So it's actually really cool that they get to kind of have this closure on the starship that started this whole thing, this yeah. whole journey. Um, and look, yeah, when they took their chairs, I cried. Yeah, I was like, "Excuse me, you're doing this now." <laughs> Beverly has Beverly has nothing to do on that shit on that bridge because she does not belong there. She has this line. She has this line. God bless her. God bless Gates of Fadden. She's just got her tricorder. And she's like all systems operational. I'm like, good. You did it. You did it. I'm happy for you. Oh, it was great. And then Worf was hilarious. I loved Worf's reaction. Oh my God. When they're coming, when they're flying into the Enterprise D, and it's like, well, obviously, can't use the Enterprise E. And just everyone side eyes Worf. And he's like, it's my bad. <laughs> it was not my fault. What did you do to the Enterprise E, Worf? Oh, so funny. Uh, that's and my, he, that's he my favorite. That's like my like favorite. Job. Audacity to come back when he's on Enterprise D. And he's like, I like the Enterprise E better. It had it had more torpedoes, and it's like, really, dude. I mean, he's right. Like the Enterprise E was a far more powerful ship, um, but the Enterprise D was a very powerful ship for her time. Like she she's no slouch. Um, mm-hmm. And the Enterprise, but the Enterprise E did have more phaser banks. That quantum torpedo, they had quantum pro- torpedo capabilities. Um, there's one other thing that I again there's. Not, I want to be real quickly. The fact that they didn't rebuild the bridge is more of a lament, not really a gripe. I wanted to just okay. say, like, I didn't expect them to. I don't want them to just find money somewhere to just re- redo this. Like, you only got two days. You build the bridge. It's the most important set. Yeah. If that doesn't work, the whole thing is screwed. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel bad for Worf, though, because in Star Trek Generations, he gets a chair. Uh, well, if you think about it, though, Yordi went and said that he's not he's not fully complete with like rebuilding it. So it's an office chair, Cookie. It's not <laughs> a chair attached to a tactical. It's an office chair. It's literally a little swivel chair that he just rolls around in back there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You Jordy uh, uh, doesn't have an office chair. Touche, touche. I, I did. Um, did you like the fact that um, Picard actually said a few of his one liners? Oh, make it so and engage. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I, I always it. like it when he says engage. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, um the 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 um the chair thing by the way is just me being funny because I um I always I always laugh when I watch Star Trek Generations and there's just Worf just on his little chair just swiveling back and forth on tactical. <laughs> um it's the only time he gets a chair too. It's really weird. Um at this point in the story, mm-hmm. uh Riker and Deanna need to show some concern for their daughter. Yeah. Who is probably in a lot of trouble at this point or, or assimilated or assimilated. Yeah. But it's it's fine. We're not doing a story about Kestra. We're doing it about Jack and Alondra and Sydney is whatever. I do like Alondra and Sydney, by the way. Oh yeah. Um, 
what did Worf do? Love the D. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Seven real quickly. Because mm-hmm. I'm wrapping up my notes now. Um, Seven, this season has been heavily implied to be a trans allegory. Okay. And that completely falls flat because of this episode. And I think that sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a lot to do with how they've treated her this season with, with dead naming her try, insistence on being called seven Oh nine rather than Annika Hansen. And you, you kind of, they, I hesitate to bring this up because I don't actually know a lot about this thing. I recommend anybody listening or watching to this, go, go check out Jesse genders um, YouTube channel. She's wonderful. And she did a, a great breakdown of, of kind of this accident. I believe accidental problematic queer coding of the Borg. Okay. Um, and and I, I highly recommend that because I think that with 709's trans allegory, and then you kind of have this idea that you know trans people are being uh trans people are having a really shitty time right now in, in our history. Mm-hmm. Um and now you've kind of just coded all the fascist trans. Yeah. Into and one, yeah. Kind of rough. I don't think it was on purpose. I think it mm-hmm. was an accident. And I don't want to give I don't want to say that there was any malicious intent in the I, I'm sure it was all meant to be. Uh, it was all meant to be um, sincere and mm-hmm. Star Trek has always been allegorical and using 709 as a trans allegory is a good idea because of her insistence on being called seven. Um, the other thing is, this is actually one that I think is incredibly funny that they accidentally stepped into, which is, well, now the boomers got to save the millennials from <laughs> they got to save yeah. the evil millennials. Yes, that's funny. That is it's great stuff. I don't think that was intentional. And I and I I just think it's hilarious that that ended up being that is now the theme of the show. Exactly, that's the main plot. It's um, so good. I just thought that was really funny. Has a um, feel to be a boomer, by the way, too. Oh, shut up! <laughs> I'm right there with you. <laughs> I'm not. I'm a millennial. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, you're right. They're so this. They're 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 these kids are technically Gen X, huh? Yeah. God damn it. They're youngsters. Whatever. These millennial, the boomers got to go save the Gen Xers. <laughs> um. Anyway, and, and that that just comes to the fact that like you needed to contrive a way to make sure that the adults don't get assimilated. Otherwise, you don't really have a show anymore. Yeah. Because it's no, it's no good to anybody if the entire crew just like the next gen reunion ends with everyone just being assimilated. <laughs> that doesn't work out. Yeah. Um. Jordy and. Uh, it's just kind of wrapping up my notes. Jordy and Data have a good moment, I think, um, mm-hmm. when they when um, his Jordy, when, when Jordy tries to go after his daughters, and Data says, "No, we got to stay." There's also a good moment, it's a good quiet moment between Picard and Data, where he just puts his hand on his shoulder. Yeah, I like that. Um, the idea that everybody above the age of 25 can't be assimilated was actually telegraphed a few episodes ago, okay. which I didn't catch. Actually, last episode. Yeah, last episode. When Jack is looking for people to in his mind and he sees he sees Sydney and he hears Sydney's yes. voice, he doesn't hear Picard and Beverly. Yes, you are right. Yeah. I thought that a uh, clever bit of writing, actually. It is very good. Um okay. Let me see. I there's a lot to talk about in this episode, and I want to be sure that I did. Um and I do like the yeah the aromatic syndrome. I t- said that. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm good. <laughs> All right. One well, more episode left. One more episode left. One more episode. Cookie, how are you feeling going into the final episode? Bittersweet. Very bittersweet. Um, it's an end for me for two eras, officially. One is the era that I have cry. with you. You can make me cry. <laughs> the era that I have with you, but I'm, I'm hoping that my my schedule will figure itself out and I will be able to come back again, do something. Cause I, of course I, I am, I'm very grateful for Michael Carl's introducing me to you and yeah. to the entire Figner podcast. So I, I am, yeah, I'm very, very honored to call you a friend. I'm excited to see this thing kind of come to a close as far as the next generation getting their final signed off and in a respectful way. But at the same time, it is bittersweet to see something that I grew up watching and again, and then this show that I have with you from me, my side end, unfortunately, but I do hope that in the future I will have time to come back and yeah, it's, it's sucks. Well, you're always welcome. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm going to miss you dearly. Um, Thank you, my friend. I've really enjoyed talking about all these Star Trek shows with you, uh, discovery, lower decks, all of them. Um, as far as the show goes, because I can't get too emotional right now. I'm waiting for the next episode. I got one more episode with you. I can't I can't get emotional every single time we talk. Um, uh, as far as the show goes, like, I think this last episode is going to be action-packed. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be... I think I said to you last week that even if the story doesn't land, I think the, emotion, the emotional story will. Mm-hmm. And to clarify what I mean by that is that the story of legacy, the story of what we pass on, the story of these of this family coming together for one last fight, that's all there. Yeah. And and that's all there. That's all still going to be there in this final episode. And I think that's going to be really valuable to me. That's going to really land. Mm-hmm. I don't like season two of Star Trek Picard very much. However, I really value the moment between Q and Picard at the end of that episode, at the yeah. end of the final episode. I think that that the emotional story of Q and Picard lands for me. And I think the emotional story of this crew, this legacy, this family is going to land for me. Mm-hmm. I hope that the story does. But now that we're nine episodes in, I'm kind of preparing myself for the things that I know I'm not going to get. Yeah. So it was just fine. There's always more opportunity to do more Star Trek. You know, I'm still pushing for Star Trek. By the way, I've got an article out about Star Trek Legacy. Go check that out. Uh, I will. To, I definitely not just will. you, not just you, but like the audience. If you're interested, I talk about Star Trek Legacy. Everybody's talking about Star Trek Legacy now. I do. <laughs> um. So where can they find it? By the way, AtomicGeekdom.com. All right. Uh, on my so- it's also on my socials at B. McClure. But I'll I'll talk about it in a minute. But <clears throat> I st- I do think that while the story may end up being disappointing in some aspects. I still think there will be a lot of value mm-hmm. uh, in the, fin- in the final, as far as emotion, as far as the emotional weight of everything. Um, and I will, you know, and even like the first four episodes are still incredible to me. I just that, that all that stuff in the first four episodes, the ship to ship battle and things like that is very valuable to me. So there's still a lot that the show has delivered for me that I still find value in still find emotional weight in and still find um, 
enjoyment in. And I hope the final episode will at least land on those aspects. If mm-hmm. it can't land for me story-wise, I hope it lands for me in other ways. But you know, I'm you know, maybe they pull a rabbit out of their ass, right? <laughs> and they really they, like, be miles. <laughs> they really like they really like nail it at the last episode and like really just deliver something incredible. And, and that it could also be true. Um, Alexander comes out of the woodwork, he's like, I'm here, guys, I'm here. Just to get shot. <laughs> and just like stand there, just shot and stand there. And just Miles shows up behind him. I did it. <laughs> I finally killed Alexander. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm a little mixed mm-hmm. on going into the fina- on, on the finale, but I'm I'm hopeful. I overall I am pleased with the season. Yeah. Um I agree. Even if episode <clears throat> to episode it it lands in various ways, but mm-hmm. All right, so Cookie, for the penultimate time, where can people find you? Uh, on Instagram at Just Little Podcast, on Twitter at Just Podcasting, on YouTube at Just Little Podcast, and you can go and check out the back catalog of Just Little Podcast. It's still up and running, so you can listen to a variety, plethora of different things. Um, of course, guys, this is the Fickner. This is Fickner's Watch. There's plenty of shows you can check out on Fickner's Watch. Um, the, the back catalog, as Cookie mentioned. Plenty of Star Trek shows as we're coming as we're nearing the end of Star Trek Picard season three. There's plenty of Star Trek episodes that you can go back to um, and there will be more coming. Um, Even without Cookie, I will continue to do this Um, just slightly sadder. Um, And um, so stay tuned. Next one is Strange New Worlds. Hell, I'm not I was never going to miss Strange New Worlds. Um, No offense, Cookie. None none taken, none taken. Um, And. Uh, there's also the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is actually ending around the same time as Star Trek Picard. Um, so just stay tuned for the final episode of the Mandalorian's Fickner's Watch, as well as the final episode of this Fickner's Watch, which will probably be around, I don't know, maybe we'll do it quicker than the day before the episode airs. There you go. Um, and uh, of course, you can check out other shows on this network. Again, like this video, subscribe to this channel. You can check out Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, the Animation Station, Fickner, po- Fickner Book Club, all shows we do on this channel. Um, my new my show, Conversation, is actually probably out by the time you're listening to this. If not, it is it is coming out. The first episode where my friend Karis Lunn, um, the Journey into Fandom podcast, is out. You can check that out. I'm really excited about season two of Conversation. Please check it out. Um, and our new show, The Real Score, both audio and video feeds. Check them out. Subscribe to them. Uh, please do. We're very proud of the show. This is where we talk about music and movies. The first episode of the Batman is out now uh, doing incredible numbers for us. And the next episode, the mask of Zorro will be out soon. So yeah, man, the mask of Zorro, that's a good movie, right? It's a great movie. That's where I fell in love with Captain Zeta Jones. That's where I fell in love with Antonio Banderas. (laughs) (laughs) That too. I mean, the guy was so smooth. There's sexy people in that movie. There was a Uh, lot. Um, and you can, of course, check out the Fake Nerd Podcast. Fake Nerd Podcast is the mothership show where there's plenty, plenty of stuff. We just reviewed Renfield, uh, the latest Dracula film, Renfield. Um, coming up, Evil Dead Rise. Ooh. Yeah, baby, a new Evil Dead movie. I'm so excited. I love Evil Dead. Um, so so stay tuned for for all that. On Fake Nerd Podcast, we go live every Sunday. We talk about 
movie news, comic books, uh, movie reviews, book clubs, uh, video games, all sorts of all sorts of things. Big show, big show every night on Sundays. Sunday night if you want to check out the live show. Otherwise, it's out wherever podcasts are listened to. Um, yeah, that'll do it. So check us out on our T Publics and our Patreons if you'd like to support us financially. Um, linked below or on our website at fictorpodcast.com. Um, or Fictor Podcast on all the socials. And I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also write for CBR.com, KaijuRamanMedia.com, and AtomicGeekdom.com. Real quickly, plugs, if you're still listening to this, um, KaijuRamanMedia.com has a new issue of the magazine out where I contributed a King Kong article. So if you like me and you want to read some of my stuff, you can check out my new King Kong article in the latest issue of KaijuRamanMedia.com. That's the magazine, KaijuRamanMedia.com. The magazine is out, so issue nine, I think. Um, and atomicgeekdom.com has a has a has a relevant Star Trek um, uh, article about um, Star Trek Legacy and kind of what I want to see going forward with this century, essentially, with um, the next show. Should there be a spinoff of Star Trek Picard? Um, so yeah, stay tuned. Check that out. Please do. Uh, I work really hard on these things, and I I would like people to read them. I, I try uh, to read them as much as I can. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Um, no problem, so, so yeah, you can find all that stuff on my socials. BT McLaren, she went Twitter. Once again, cookie socials. Yes. Uh, Instagram, just little podcast, Twitter, just podcasting YouTube, just little podcast. All right, guys, until next time for the final time for Star Trek Picard and the next generation cast and cookie live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.